Hello, everyone, and welcome to another episode of Live in Conversation. Um, today, I wanted to get on here and talk about last night's Senate debate. Um, if you are unaware or if you missed it, um, Fox LA hosted a Senate race off. Well, not race off. Um, wrong word. A Senate debate between the three. Democratic candidates, um, Katie Porter, Adam Schiff, and Barbara Lee, and one Republican, um, I'm forgetting his name, hold on one second, because there were a couple other Republicans too, hold on, give me one second, I am so sorry that I'm blanking, Steve Garvey, Steve Garvey, Similar to Steve Harvey, but it's not Steve Harvey. It is Steve Garvey. He used to play for the Dodgers many, many years back. Um, so, yeah. Um, last night's debate, if you did watch it, was, um, it was... It was interesting, to say the least. It was a bit um, action-packed, if you will. Um, there was a lot of jabs between all of the candidates on stage. It was a very chaotic one. They kept going over time. They actually didn't even get to all their questions because of how long the candidates were going over time. And you all know at this point, most most certainly, hopefully at this point, that I have fully endorsed Barbara Lee, but I've also previously endorsed Katie Porter. And, you know, I initially endorsed her run for Senate, um, and around until October 7th, when she decided to start, you know, staying silent on the matter and, you know, sympathizing more with Israel, um, and then only calling for a ceasefire when the debate and when the election got closer, which was very weird move by Katie and one that I see right through quite honestly, because if you wanted to call for a ceasefire, you would have called for it by the time that you had by before the time that you had indeed called for a ceasefire. I mean, you you did still call for a ceasefire, so I do have to give you that. But I just don't think it's genuine because of how long it took Katie Porter, who is not only an active U.S. House representative, but is also a candidate for the U.S. Senate. You know, you should be up to date with these things. Um, Barbara Lee has been calling for a ceasefire ever since. And, you know, that's personally why I decided to go with her because at the time... Barbara Lee indeed was the only person and realistically in my eyes is the only person who would actually follow through in fighting for an immediate ceasefire and fighting for dollars to come back to California. And that was an issue that came up that I really want to talk about. Um, And, you know, the end goal for what California needs We need funding from our government because California is one of the only states in this country um, that pays its federal taxes, but then does not get money back from the government. Um, Whereas other states are giving them their tax dollars, but they're receiving more back from the government than they paid in taxes to the federal government, which is absolutely unfair because California for decades now has been consistently neglected, not only by senators who previously filled the seat, who neglected to bring the necessary funding to California, um, but also, you know, state leadership, governors, lieutenant governors, um, state senate, state assembly members, um, you know, the federal government, um, the people in the federal government, the president, vice president, so on and so forth. 
Um, you know, I see it more as their fault um, because it really is their fault because they allowed this to happen for so long. And we now have the opportunity to elect someone who is a Democrat that is actually going to stand for the people rather than, you know, corporations. And one thing that, you know, Katie Porter, I will admit, did have the upper hand on against Barbara Lee is the fact that, you know, she has actually never taken a dime from corporate companies or anything, whereas I believe... Barbara Lee, while she doesn't take, I don't think, corporate dollars, she does take PAC money. Um, Now, from what I know, and I'm not saying this is factual or anything, this is just from my knowledge, the PACs that work with Barbara Lee are not, you know, specifically, you know, influential in a direction, you know, like, uh, ever since APAC, PACs have been getting a lot of bad rap. And I can understand why, you know, a dream society would be where those don't have to exist and instead just grassroots contribution exclusively. That would be a dream scenario. Um, but, you know, I feel like when we are talking about who has taken PAC money, we need to specify which PACs they're from, if they are harmful to the government, or if they're just, you know, there to support candidates who are fighting for specific causes. You know, I've seen many PACs that, you know will specifically donate to people who have never ran for office before, people who are more new. You know, I've seen uh, PACs who will donate to people because they support Medicare for all. I've seen PACs that donate because the candidate supports, you know, workers unions and the right to unionize, you know, and I've seen all of these things. And, you know, it's not necessarily a bad cause that they are in support of. And, And that's what the issue is with PACs is that, you know, we put a big label pack on it, obviously, where, you know, there are a couple of packs that either have a good intention or no sort of intention whatsoever, really, other than to fund specific candidates who, you know, might give people what they actually want. That's a good usage of packs, realistically. But that's not how packs work. The way that packs work, you know, you can't just discriminate, you know, this pack gets to exist, this pack doesn't, you know. You know, you can't necessarily do that. So, you know, then we start getting PACs like APAC, which, you know, are pretty much just international foreign dollars to influence our government to allow them to do what they please. And if I don't, if, if that isn't bribery, I don't know what is, honestly, when it comes to, you know, influences like that, where they're, they're you know, funding things that are either going to improve their business improve, you know, maybe some stock that they hold, you know, things like that, things that are done specifically for personal gain, you know, those sorts of packs should not exist, Um, you know, and the issue with that is, well, we can't necessarily have a fully accurate filtering system for what packs do what, and I don't, you know, it's very, very, you know, blurry, vague thing, and it's a disaster, so, you know, when, when people talk about banning PACs, this is why, is because even if we tried to, you know, severely limit and, and you know, lessen the scope of, of power that PACs can have, it's never going to be an airtight solution unless we actually get rid of PACs altogether, you know, and realistically, PACs aren't doing anything special, you know, um, they might raise money, but a candidate could also raise money through grassroots funding, then the people can actually decide whether they want to vote for a pay pay toward a specific candidate 
rather than paying to a specific pack who can donate that to literally anyone that they want and you would have zero clue unless the sorry about that i cut out but um you know the only way that you in that situation you would know is that you know if the pack goes out of their way to inform you which candidate your money that you donated their their pack to their pack is going to you know if they can tell you which candidate it's going to you know that that is one thing but a grand majority of PACs are not going to tell you, oh yeah, we sent this amount of your money that you donated to our PAC or whatever over to this. And that's only for PACs that do accept donations and stuff like that, which I don't believe is that common. Um, and that's why me personally, I'm not taking a single dime out of PAC money. And I'm also not taking a single dime out of corporate money. This is going to be an entirely grassroots funded campaign once we get fundraising started. You know, at the moment, we do not have any funds. We're not transacting we're not doing anything like that at the moment and that's because you know there's no real cost to campaigning at this stage because you know there's no debates there's no you know there's nothing like that and that's why you know the reason I started this campaign the way I did is because you know rather than starting to raise money off the bat extremely early into the election cycle While there is a whole different election cycle actively happening, you know, it can cause some serious voter confusion and it can cause some issues. And also, you know, there's no real need at this point in time for me to start asking you for contributions because, you know, I work, you know, I am a fully functioning person. You know, I I, I don't need people to contribute to me. What the contributions would be for when eventually they do start, you know, being becoming an available option to you is, you know, for the campaign, you know, it's strictly for the campaign. Um, Finance records like that are, I believe, publicized by the state of California. So, you know, it's completely transparent. And matter of fact, as an addition to that, you know, when I do get, you know, transaction logs back or whatever, you know, for a campaign for the campaign, I would go as far as to, you know, uploading that myself, you know, and releasing that to the public myself um, if the California state doesn't do it, which I believe state of California does publicize everybody's, every single candidate's, um, you know, finances and everything like that. I believe that is already publicized, but I will double check that. And if it is not, I will make it so for my own campaign. Um, so yeah, but anyways, back onto the debate, you know, they absolutely slammed Garvey and I could see Barbara Lee and Katie Porter being able to slam on somebody on the stage, but I did not expect to see all three of them, including Schiff go after anyone. But then again, I didn't know until like the day of the debate that, Garvey was even attending. I thought it was just the three Democrats. Um, but, you know, it was, a, it was a pleasant surprise to see Garvey, mainly because, you know, he doesn't know how to answer a question. Every time someone would ask him a question, he would, like, turn it into this entire spiel of words. Like, he's in some sort of, like, Twitter story rant or something like that. Like, you're not on a, uh, on a story time this isn't, you know, an hour and a half long podcast, you know, none of this isn't what this is. So, you know, 
The whole point of a debate is to be able to give quick, concise answers that represent your views. That is what you have to do at a debate. But you also have to be able to defend your track record. You have to be able to defend your agenda and how it would work in addition to that. Um, and Garvey did a terrible job at that. Um, and I don't think there's any doubt in anyone's mind that regardless of who the Democratic nominee becomes, whether it be Schiff, Porter, or Lee, you know, any one of them is realistically going to beat Garvey in a face-off or just any Republican in general because that's just the way California typically votes. But, you know, in, in general, like if we're not even talking about the way t- California typically votes, if we just remove that completely out of the equation, who would vote for Andrew Garvey? Like, or not Andrew Garvey, Steve Garvey, my bad. I don't know why I'm saying Andrew. I always think he's, an- I, I mix it up with Andrew Garfield. I believe that's what I mix it up with, um, that I keep calling him Andrew. But um, Steve Garvey, you know, just... He's, like, trying to be Trump in a way where it's, like, he tries to have a charismatic response to everything possible. But it does not work on him because he is old and just completely out of touch. It's one thing to be old and in touch. You know, Barbara Lee ain't necessarily that young, you know. But she's in touch. Um, That's a good thing. That's a great thing. But when you're an old person out of touch, just stay away from running for office or just elected office in general because nobody wants out-of-date solutions. You know, nobody wants that. We need in-date solutions that actually will work. You know, we need that. We don't need, you know, the plans of, you know, the previous few decades and even more of them. That's not what we need. That's what we need far less of, if anything. Um, and I feel like it's very important to call that out because even during the debate, during the debate, it became an entire thing. This, this, I believe is the part where all three of the democratic candidates started attacking Garvey one by one is whether or not he would vote for Trump. And he did not give a straight answer to this whatsoever. And the candidates kept calling him out for it. And then he just kept deflecting. Which is hilarious to me because we all know damn well he's not going to vote for Joe Biden. He's almost certainly going to vote for Donald Trump, and that's a fact. And in addition to that, when he was talking about his policy, his agenda, he he doesn't even have one. And on top of that, you know, on top of not having an agenda publicly available, when asked about his agenda during the debate— He's basically trying to say, oh, yeah, I'm going to I'm going to listen to what the majority of people want in California and I'm going to make that happen regardless of if I agree with it or not. And I'm like, no, the hell you're not. In what world does a Republican senator actually go or just a senator in general go to people every single time that there's a vote on the on the Senate floor? You there's no chance in hell you're going to be out on the streets in the cities and asking people what their thoughts are. There's no chance that's possible. And to even think that that is possible for the level of a United States Senator is absolutely absurd. The amount of time you're gonna be in Washington, but yet you're still claiming 
that you're going to consistently be asking the people of California what they think and then actually following through with that. That is not what a Republican does. Republicans are a very fixed group of people with the same end goals. Some of them are much more persistent than other ones at getting those goals accomplished. And I'm not saying that their goals in a good way. I'm saying that their goals in a bad way, if we're talking about my personal opinion on their goals. But the point still is that regardless of, you know, how quickly they're trying to reach their goal, the point still stands that their goals are the same still. And, you know, you cannot trust these people to stand up for your rights whatsoever. I think they're incredibly shady. And I also think the same for Adam Schiff. And I also think the same for Katie Porter. Now, Katie Porter, I was okay with her. I was, you know, I was in support of her until October 7th and until all of that, because her refusing to speak up on it when it happened showed me at the time a supporter of hers that she was not prompt with her responses. She is not prompt with her reaction and she follows whatever way the wind blows pretty much Um, because after months of people calling for ceasefires, she finally decided to throw her name into that list, Um, which, you know, just seems very coordinated, very um, PR-like, you know? Um, So, yeah, I'm not too sure how... um, (laughs) how that's going, but, um, you know, I just don't buy it. You know, Schiff, I mean, nobody likes him really. I don't know how people could like him. He's takes corporate money. He takes PAC money. He takes all of it and he backs Israel wholeheartedly. Um, so yeah, uh, a really good two choices right there, clearly being sarcastic. Um, but realistically, the best choice on that stage, in my personal opinion, was by far Barbara Lee because, you know, I'm not saying that, you know, constantly going over time on the timer for your time, um, is good, but when she did do it, which was, I'm not going to lie, pretty frequently, she had points to prove and she actually made her points connect and make sense. And that's something that I greatly appreciate and love to see out of candidates running for office. And this goes to show that, you know, we don't necessarily all have to look the same. We don't all have to be Gen Z or millennial to be able to believe in in progressive, you know, stances. You know, you don't have to be young to believe in progressive stances. You don't have to be young to believe in democratic socialism. You don't have to be young to believe in peace over war. You don't have to be young to run for office, but you also can't be ridiculously old like Joe Biden. You can't be in your 80s, you know, and also be incoherent while running for office. You know, if you're in your 80s and you're like perfectly, you know, cohesive, if you can, you know, focus and if you're, you know, mentally, you know, good, then you know what? Honestly, there you go. If you get, if you win, you win. But yeah, um, I still think Barbara Lee's the best choice. I'm going to continue to support her campaign. Um, and you know, at the end of the day, 
I think we made it pretty clear. If we can't get Barbara Lee, we can try and get Katie Porter. But, you know, the other two choices are the absolute worst choices imaginable. Um, if I had to rank them third and fourth, I would probably put Schiff in third and Garvey in fourth. But that's just because every time Garvey said something, my jaw, like, that it was actually his opinion, my jaw literally dropped. Like, I was like, what the hell? Like, how is anyone going to genuinely vote for this guy? Like, if you vote for this guy, you are actually, like, crazy. If you vote for um, Steve Garvey, you are absolutely out of your mind. You have lost it. Because I don't understand how anyone could be like, oh, yeah, sign me up for that plan. You know, he doesn't even have a plan. He doesn't even have an agenda yet. And he revealed that on stage, what? The primaries are March 5th. Um, You are less than, I believe... A month away. Oh no. You are just about a month away from the primaries on March 5th. And you don't even have an agenda. And you didn't just say, oh no, it's just not up on my website. You, you flat out said you do not have an agenda whatsoever. How, are, how do you expect people to vote for you? If you do not ha- even have an agenda, like that is absolutely crazy for you to expect people to vote for you when you can't even put together an agenda before the primary season. And by all means, I guarantee you, he, if it becomes an actual popularly used criticism against him, he'll eventually rush an agenda out. He'll put it out, whatever. And then I guarantee you, because of how rushed that agenda is, He's not even going to follow most of it. Guarantee you, or it's going to be incredibly vague. It's going to be some sort of caveat. There's going to be some sort of twist. There almost always is with Republican campaigns. People thought back uh, when they were voting for George Santos that they were voting for someone who took care of animals and, you know, did all this great stuff. But in reality, he was literally a con artist and a scammer. So, you know, like... It happens a lot with Republican campaigns. Um, I could go on and on and on and on for about another hour or two just on recent cases of like the past 10 years or so. But um, we're not going to do that because I don't feel like sitting here for three hours talking about, you know, absolute horror stories of humans. Um, So we're just going to not do that. But um, overall, Barbara Lee is my candidate of choice. So if you can go show her some support, that would be absolutely amazing. Check out her campaign. Um, And yeah. And with that, um, thank you all so much for listening. And I'll see you guys next time. Bye.